share the reading of the scripture this morning, Galatians 5, 1 through 15. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I didn't want to like it. There was so much hype around it. Everybody's talking, but you got to see it. Have you seen it? Like, don't tell me what I have to do, right? That's like the worst thing. Like, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, want, I didn't want to like it. And frankly, I'm a little mad at how much I loved it. The Greatest Showman. It's embarrassing, right? Some of you are like, no! But others of you are like, I don't think I respect you anymore. Um, but let me tell you, like, I, I kind of want to be Hugh Jackman. I mean, this guy is the Wolverine and Jean Valjean. I hate him, right? It's terrible. And we watched it. We watched it as a family. I don't know, a few weeks ago. Uh, and we were all, like, from the first second, we were hooked. Uh, and again, against, against my will, uh, against all of my wishes uh, within me. And, and the, movie, the movie is good, but the music, right? Anybody with me? Okay, some of you especially, like, and kids here, like, we got a lot of kids in here today. We're so glad that you're in here. Uh, you know, we're remodeling some space over there, so we'll have more room for you soon. But we're really, really glad you're here. But you, you get this, right? Um, I'm not sure our family's listened to any other music in the last month. And we sing, people. And we dance in our house, and it's, it's not pretty, let me tell you. <laughs> we have no talent at all. But what, what is it about this music? It's nominated for awards, right? It peaked at number one on billboards. It's been in the top five best-selling albums for almost six months, right? Articles have been written about it. Why, why do we like it so much? Well, I mean, musically, it's just a party for your ears, so there's that. Uh, but lyrically... I think it taps into something that every one of us wants. In fact, if you go home today and like re-listen to the soundtrack, I know you bought it, some of you, um, we did, uh, listen to it again, and there is a common thread in each of these songs, something that all of us wants so desperately, whether you like the movie or not, that we'll do almost anything to achieve. Every one of these songs is about freedom. 
personal freedom. Going out and getting it and making it happen, right? Every, every one of these, and we, and, we, and we love that. Like, think about it. Barnum, he wants, he wants freedom from his past, his poverty, his in-laws' expectation. His business partner wants freedom from the snobs and the, the, the drudgery of it all. Like, the, the freaks. I don't know what else to call them. Sorry. Um, if there's any freaks in the audience. Um, but like, the freaks, like, they... They want to be free from other people's expectations and the, the dirty looks and the scorn and the injustice are, are around them. Like everybody wants to be free from loneliness, boredom, free to be who I really am, free to, to live the good life. And who doesn't want that? I mean, a few of these songs, I get goosebumps every time I listen to them and I hate myself for it. It's like, it's like what it says though, right? In the first song, it's everything you ever want. Everything you ever need, here, right in front of you. And whether you like the movie or not, whether you've seen it or not, you want it, don't you? Freedom. Financial freedom, freedom with your time, freedom with others, freedom with yourself, freedom from worry and loneliness. Free to be me in the very best version of me. And Paul knows that we want it. In many ways, the letter that he's been writing to the Galatians, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. Uh, We've been studying Galatians for the past month or so. Like this letter is all about freedom. At, At its very core, it is about this endless quest that you and I are on, this desire for freedom, and about how lousy we are at achieving it. See, it doesn't matter how many times you sing, this is me, And I'll sing it with you. You can call me later. We'll sing it over the phone. It'll be great. Um, It doesn't matter how many times you sing it. Like you are, you are still fragile around certain people. Like you, you still feel the weight of your own security or their expectations on you. Like you can sing your heart out, but it's not going to change you and the expectations you feel of others. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how many times you sing from now on. That's probably my favorite song uh, in that soundtrack, but like from now on, right? So good. But anybody else, like, have you seen it, like, sort of wrestle with, like, that's the conclusion? Really? Like, I mean, think about that. Like, Barnum, like, ruins his life. He, he, he spends his entire existence living for the satisfaction of his own ego. He alienates his family. He pushes his friends away. And then just one day he decides, from now on, I'm going to be a decent human? Gosh, I should have tried that years ago, right? Like, we know it doesn't work that way. And the message of Galatians, yes, we want freedom. Every one of us. And you can have it. But only Christ can set us free. Only Christ can set you free. Let's pray and then we'll jump in at God's word this morning. Let's pray together. Father, this is what I want. Um, I, I think it's what all of us want. A sense, a sense of personal freedom. Freedom to, to be who, who we want to be. Freedom to, to have joy and satisfaction. Freedom from the weight of our own shame and guilt and the expectations, the burdens of others and the things that, that just crush us. We want freedom. So God, would you show us how through your spirit and through your word, how this is a gift that you offer us and show us how we can live into our freedom together. I praise in Christ's name. Amen. Only Christ can set us free. And I know I've, I've lost some of you already. 
I mean, it's such a churchy thing to say, isn't it? Christ sets us free. I mean, come on, right? Some of you, some of you are feel, feeling that in there. Or maybe, maybe you're just thinking, come on. Who are you kidding, Nathan? I, I am free. I do what I want. I do that on my own. I don't, I don't, I don't need his help, right? Sure you are. Here's the first thing we see in Galatians today. And I don't, I don't care who you are, your background, what you believe, whether you're a Christian or not. Here's what jumps out to me first in this message from, from Paul and the Galatians is that you aren't as free as you think you are. Yes, you think you're free. I, I'm guessing you do. I think I am. I make my own decisions. I do whatever I want, right? But you can't miss it. You are not, I am not as free as I think I am. And so look at verse one again, chapter five. Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Like, don't go back. Like, why would you want to go back? Why, why do you want to be slaves again? And what's important to note here is that Paul is writing this letter to both a religious and a non-religious crowd. I mean, yes, they're, they're all Christians in this, this church, but some of them grew up Jewish, right? Steeped in religion, rules, and, and all the regulations, everything they had to do, right? Or felt like they had to do in order to get God to notice them. But you also have all these Gentiles there who grew up in a, in a culture, frankly, a lot like ours, where anything goes. And yet Paul tells both of them, regardless of what your slavery is, don't go back there. Like, you don't, you don't want that anymore. That's not why Christ died for you. Don't return to your slavery. And one of the things that fascinates me about our culture is how free we think we've become. Like we, I mean, that's, that is our ultimate value, is being able to make our own decisions, to do whatever, whatever, whatever we want. I mean, the only rules we have left, right? You gotta be true to yourself. Like, that's the worst thing you can do, is not be true to who you are in our culture. As, as long as, number two, you don't hurt anybody, right? Which means, I mean, think about this. Like, you and I, have unprecedented freedom to do whatever you want. And nobody can judge you. Nobody can tell you otherwise, to bother you. Like there is, there is almost no end to the freedom that we have to follow our desires. And we're miserable. Like we can't, we can't handle that much pressure, can we? I mean, think about it. like anxiety and depression, all those, they're through the roof. It's because we, we don't even know what we want. Not really. I don't. I mean, I think I do most times, but, you know, do I want what I wanted when I was eight? So candy and Legos, is that what's going to make me happy? Or do I want what I wanted when I was 18? You know what that was. Like, is that, is that going to do it? What about when I'm 38 now? Like, do I know now what I want? What about when I'm 58? I want something completely different. Like, I have no idea. Like, I think I know what I want. And I give my life to it for like five minutes, and it's like, well, that didn't work. Like, we think we, think we know what we want but it's always changing. And then add to that, even if you do, even if you're convinced, no, I want this, well, the reality is your desires compete with one another, don't they? Almost everything good and of value competes with something else, doesn't it? And so on the one hand, like, do I, do I live for success at all costs? Or do I want a family that loves me, right, that I'm present with? Like, you often cannot have both. Do I, do I want to save for retirement or do I want to buy a boat? Like, our, our freedoms, our desires, they compete with one another. Yeah, okay, Nathan, but at least, at least when they compete, I'm still the one making the decision. It's still my, my call, my choice. I'm free. Are you? 
Because chances are you filter every lifestyle choice through whatever our culture at the moment tells us is right and good. Like, you, you may not think that you're influenced by them, but we are swimming in this water, and whatever, whatever the people around us are saying, the people that we're closest to, whatever they say, no, this is better than this, that's nine times out of ten, right? That's how we're going to make the decision. Ah, not me, Nathan, I'm different. I dance to the beat of my own drum. Funny how your rhythm sounds a whole lot like everybody else's. Nah, I'm free. Okay, fine, let's just say you are agree to disagree, okay? Well, let's just say you are free. But what about the things you don't like about you? Like, you have them, right? Like, there, there are certain things that you do that you wish you didn't do. Certain thoughts you have that you, wouldn't, you will never tell another human. Things that you keep in the dark and hide away that you don't want anyone to ever see or know about you. I have them, you have them. It doesn't matter what you believe, right? We all have those shameful places. And if we're so ashamed of them, why don't we stop? Just stop. Stop buying all that stuff. Stop looking at porn. Stop harboring bitterness. Stop yelling at your kids. Stop letting anger grow. Stop having those, those thoughts about others. Just stop it for a while. How's that working out? See, until you try to stop, you won't realize that you can't. And until you realize that you can't, you'll never realize that you're a slave. And if you don't realize you're a slave, you'll never see any need for this guy named Jesus. We're free, but we're addicted to food, sex, our cell phones, video games, Netflix, approval, drugs, Facebook, our kids' schedules. We're workaholics, shopaholics, alcoholics. We have more money than ever before, and we are more in debt. We have more time-saving devices than we could even imagine 20 years ago, and yet we are, we've never been more overwhelmed by our schedules. We, we have more connections with people, more ways to be in touch. Like there's an endless stream of anyone at any time, anywhere we can be connected with, and we've never been more lonely. We have unprecedented sexual freedom and never-ending abuse and heartache. But at least we're free. I think the problem comes down to the fact that we think freedom, true freedom, is doing whatever I want in the moment. And nobody can stop me. That's, what, that's, what we, that's how we define it. It's like, I, just, I want to do whatever I want. That's freedom. It's not. I mean, look where that's taken us. I mean, does anyone here actually believe humanity's improving? That we're getting better? Freedom isn't doing whatever you want to do. Freedom is doing what you were meant to do. It's not doing just whatever, whenever. It's doing what you were meant to do, what you were created for. Only when we find out what that is, only when we find our purpose, only then are we truly free. Only then is there joy. We're kind of like the, we're the train on the tracks, right? And we hate those tracks, stupid tracks, always tell me what to do, where to go. Man, I hate those things. One of these days, right, I'll be free. Really? Is that what we think? 
And again, I, I, I say this with all due respect. I hope, I hope you hear that. I'm not trying to be arrogant because I know that I fall into these, these, same, these same things. But even, even if you're here this morning, you're saying, no, I pushed away all the constraints, right? Religion first and everything else. Like I, I, I live for freedom. I am free, right? And I, again, I, I respect that, okay? Um, and I, I, I don't want to, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be misunderstood here. But even pushing aside the constraints, it doesn't make you free. You are still a slave to your desires, to your culture, to the people around you. And you're not as free as you think you are. And it gets worse. You're welcome. Blame Paul. You cannot free yourself. That's the second thing. That's the second thing. You cannot free yourself, which is absolutely infuriating. And God knows we try. And so Paul here, he takes them back to the same argument, right? Galatians is, is really about one thing over and over again. I feel like, you know, Reed and I have preached the same message like six times now or something. Like it's, it's Paul keeps doing that over and over again. But if you're, if you're new here, okay, if this is your first time, let me kind of bring you up to speed of what is at the crux of the problem at the Galatian church. You see, Paul is writing to them because some Christians in that church have begun saying, Jesus is great, we love Jesus, but you need a little something else, right? To be a Christian, to be whole, to be free. First, you have to become Jewish. Circumcision, okay? That was the real crux. That word appears in Galatians a whole lot. I've said, more, I said circumcision in sermons more times in the last month and a half than I have in my entire life, right? Some of you are like, yeah, we know. Um, I'll let you explain it to your kids. Um, super fun, though. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's, that's at the heart of this, circumcision. Then Jesus will save you. And even though that sounds ridiculous to us, like, sir, why? Why this? Why does it matter? Who really cares? I mean, the reality is we do the same kinds of things, right? We always are we're trying to add to Jesus or add to whatever our definition of the good life is that when I do this or have that, then I'll be free, right? Then my life will matter. It'll be good enough and it'll be fine, right? We always do this. We, again, we push them to the side like, man, these idiots back then, but come on. We're, we do similar things. Then I'll be free. And so look at verse two then. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage. He's dead to you. Useless. I testify against, again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Like you do this one thing, you got to keep the whole, you got to do it all. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. And Paul, like he's picking his language there. He knows what he's saying, right? You follow what he's saying there? It's like you only think you're cutting off part of your body. It's not a little snip that's happening here. You are being severed from Christ, he says. Ouch. I mean, how is that possible? I mean, what's, what's a little legal, legalism? How does, that, how, does that, how does that sever us from Christ? Well, you see, I mean, the reality is, I mean, lawlessness, right, pushing the rules off to our, the side, doing our own thing, and legalism, they all stem from the same idea. From the, from the, whether whether you have, you've chucked all the rules and you're going to do it your own way, or you're obsessed with the rules and you've got to keep every one of them, it all stems from the same heart. A heart that says God cannot be trusted. I mean, that's what it comes, like, because if you're obsessed with the rules, like, you're just afraid God's going to drop a piano on you if you don't do everything perfectly all the time. He's mean, he's angry, and he just can't be trusted. So you have to keep all the rules. And you're exhausted, some of you. Or you push them all aside because, man, if God, there's no way he's going to give me that rule. How could he tell me I couldn't do blank? If he really loved me, if he actually understood me, if he cared about me, God can't be trusted. And so the heart of these things is, is really the same thing. It's saying God can't be trusted, and ultimately, Jesus, he's not enough. 
He's not enough to satisfy me. He's not enough to give me hope. He's not enough to set me free. And Paul here, like I don't think there's any place in Scripture he's, he's madder than this moment right here in this text. And there's other places he gets passionate. Like if you're familiar, a couple of these other letters, First and Second Corinthians, he gets, he gets pretty intense there. Um, and, and particularly around this one issue, I mean, there's several things going on in the Corinthian church. But in First Corinthians, Paul's like, points out this, this guy who's been in the church like sleeping with his stepmom. Like, which is not great, regardless of what culture you live in, right? Um, you know, it's generally frowned upon. And, and, and Paul's right. He's, he's like, dude, like, don't do that. That's not, that's not good for you. That's not good for her. That's not good for the people around you. It's not good for your dad. Like, this, this is like, this is just going to destroy you. Don't do this. And, and the guy, he like changes. He's like, oh man, I, I didn't know that. He, he says, I'm not going to do that anymore. He repents, he turns. And, and Paul writes back to the church in 2 Corinthians, very passionately say, you welcome him back in. Like, yes, yes, he did some things that we, we're not very proud of, but he, grace, right? Welcome him with open arms back into the community. I mean, Paul He's big on grace. But those who spit on grace, like in many ways, Paul and Jesus as well, they, they're much more patient with sinners than with legalists. Because legalists don't think they need grace. They don't think they need Jesus. And so for those who spit on grace, he says in verse 7, church, you were running well. You got to like, catch the irony there. Before you tried to add all these rules you were, you were doing so great, guys. You were loving Jesus. You were loving your neighbors. You were loving each other. And now you add all these things in. And you keep tripping up all over the place. And skip to verse 12. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. The Bible's not G-rated, um, if you're wondering. I don't know if you're, again, catchy, like Paul, circumcision, severed, emasculate, like, like this is on purpose, like Paul's writing this, like basically he's saying, if you're, if you're going to do this, people, you might as well just cut the whole thing off. Because better that you be removed from the gene pool than that you keep trying to do this freedom thing on your own and forcing others into this slavery over and over again. Better just to, you know, you know, you get it. Which again, it's, it's strong words. But it's because Paul knows it's not going to work. It doesn't matter what you cut off. It doesn't matter how many rules you create, how good you think you are, or how fast you run from all the rules. It's not going to work. And yet, seriously, how many times have you said, from now on, and nothing's changed? I mean, how many of us here even remember our New Year's resolutions, Right? It's not working. Only Christ can set us free. Well, how then? Look, look again at verse 5. And how is really what Paul has been getting at this entire time um, over and over in these messages. But verse 5, he says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Through the Spirit, by faith, and Jesus will set you free. And even the, the construction there, that, that phrase, hope of righteousness, in the, in the Greek, it's, it could be translated more like the hope which is our righteousness. 
So it's, it's not like it's a, it's a wish out there somewhere. It's, it's, this is a confidence for Paul that one day this thing that you want, this freedom that you don't have, that you need, this sense of rightness, that God will do it. That that is our, that is our hope. That is what empowers that, what, what enables us, that you will be made right. And so are you, friends, are you waiting for it, looking for it, hoping for it, reminding yourself of it? Because somebody is going to try to take away your freedom. And we're like the animal who no longer has to have the cage locked, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like for a while you have to lock the, the door on the, on the animal, but after a while they go in there, they, just, they, they prefer the cage. That's us, so easily. And we return to our prison. Listen, if you're, if you're a Christian... You need to begin your day every day. I need to begin my day every day thanking God that I'm not a slave anymore. Reminding myself that he has set me, he died to make me free, that I'm I'm not a slave to my shame, my guilt, my behaviors, my attitudes, the people around me, my own sense of, of what I need or want. I am not a slave anymore because what Jesus has done for me, that I'm loved, I'm accepted, I'm his child, that you are not a slave and if you're not a Christian, we're really, we're really glad that you're here. This is a safe place for you to explore who Jesus is. But I want you to know, I believe with all my heart that this, this freedom is what you're looking for. And it can only be found here. Through him. All right, well. We're free. Let's party, Right? I mean, we can throw all the rules away and just do whatever the heck we want, like we're back where we started, aren't we? Well, wait a sec. Paul has more to say. Yes, only Christ can set us free, but don't miss this last point. Your freedom is not for you. Your freedom is not for you. Yes, Christ died to to set you free uh, so that you could be free to be who he created you to be. Remember, that's freedom, doing what you were meant to do. And you and I were always meant to love. I mean, those are the, the tracks, the train tracks that you and I have been made for. This is the sweet spot. This is where we find flourishing and in, in love with, with one another and community for, with, together. Look at verse, verse 13, for example. He says, For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. That's his metaphor for sin. Don't, don't do that. Like, you're not free for those things. We'll talk about that more next week. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love the na- your neighbor as yourself. It's not that the Old Testament law is irrelevant. It's that there's a new law in town. The law of Christ, which in many ways is a lot harder, right? Grace, love, the heart, like that cuts deep. We're not off the hook, but it's better because it's, it's what we were made for. And now because of the Spirit, this is what Paul's been getting at, we have the ability to begin living this kind of life, to actually do what we were made for. I mean, everything within our culture, I think you know this, I know this, right? Everything within our culture says, you be free for you, right? Doesn't matter. Anybody else, you do you, you follow your heart, you be true to yourself, right? Everything in our culture screams at us from the moment we get up in the morning to the moment we go to bed and from the little kids watching the, you know, whatever on Netflix to all of us, right? You are free for you. And almost no one around us is happy. 
Jesus says, you be free for me, for others, for love. And there you will flourish. Let me, let me give an example of this, of how we were created for this kind of thing. One of the sciences that fascinates me right now is neurology, you know, because we're just learning so much about this field of how the brain works, all the technology and the ways in which we can study it. Uh, and one of the things that scientists have re- recently are, are proposing is that, um, that our, our brains don't fully function by themselves. Like, you have to have another brain nearby to truly get the most out of it, which is fascinating. Okay, so for example, Dr. Kurt Thompson, uh, in his book, The Anatomy of the Soul, it's a really, really interesting book. I'd recommend it uh, if you're a nerd. Um, like me, or even if you're not, it's pretty practical. But listen to what he says. He says, the neuroscience is clear. The concept of a single functioning neuron or a single functioning brain simply does not exist in nature. Without input from other neurons, a single neuron will die. Likewise, without input from other minds, a single mind becomes anxious, then depressed, then hopeless, and then dies, either by intentional means, suicide, or more passive forms of poor self-care. It's not good for a man or woman, or a neuron or a brain, to be alone. I mean, basically, so part, part of this research then, I know some of you are like, that, that was, thanks Nathan for that. Um, part of the research though is that some, some have said, have gone so far to say that our, our primary impulse in life isn't fight or flight, survival, like we've, we believe for so long, that our primary, our first, our most primordial instinct as humans is reach to any human being who will reach back. That at the very core of who we are as humans is this desire to connect, to attach, to be loved, and to love. It's the thing that we want most, and we're lousy at it. But Jesus frees us to love. I mean, how does he do that? Well, you're not, you're not a slave anymore, so you don't have anything to prove. He has declared you righteous. You don't have anything to hide, for, for everything is grace. You have nothing to fear. For you are a child of God. I mean, this is me, loved, accepted, whole. And now you can forgive because you've been forgiven. You can be patient with others because you know that God has been and will continue to be so ridiculously patient to you. You can sacrifice because you have been given to, you've received. You can, you can serve because you know your Father is going to care for you. Like you can love those who others would think are unlovable because you are so richly loved. You can die to yourself because you will have life forever with him. You are now free to love. It's what we were made for. It's what we were meant to do. And just imagine if every one of us here at work tomorrow, at home, at school, the job site, what if we actually lived like this with our coworkers, our clients? Imagine what it would do to our marriages, our closest relationships. So many of them are breaking hurting deeply. I mean, freedom is not running away. No matter what you feel in the moment, no matter how hard it, it's not running away. Living for yourself, that imposture will destroy you. It's either love through Christ, or we end up doing what the Galatian church was, was at risk of doing. I mean, here's the alternative for Paul. Verse 15, he says, but if you bite, you can love like Jesus, you can be free to love, or you can de- bite and devour one another but watch out that you're not consumed by one another. And we, we are consumers of each other, aren't we? I mean, you don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to look that hard to see it. Like every act of injustice, every sexual scandal, the way we talk to one another, we, people we disagree with or don't understand, we consume one another. But not, not anymore. Not here. 
Just imagine a church with love like this and the joy that would follow. Not because we have to, but because we get to. It's sort of, it's sort of the difference between Winky and Dobby. You with me? No? Um, I mean, they're, they're house elves. Does that help? No? Still lost? Yeah, okay. It's all right. The kids are like, I, I'm with you. Finally, I'm with you. Um, okay, Winky and Dobby, they're house elves, and everybody knows the house elf is born into slavery, right? You all know that, don't you? Um, they're born into slavery, right? That's, it's part of who they are. They are slaves by birth, not unlike us when it comes to our sin, sin and our, our desires. They're slaves by birth. But both Winky and Dobby are offered their freedom. But Winky hates it. She doesn't know what to do with it. She's lost her purpose. She spends her life drinking in despair. And and she, I mean, she goes so far, she exploits her freedom and resents it at the same time. And and everybody who knows her story feels sad for her. You pity her. Like, you know that's not what it's for. And it it makes you sick when you see it. But Dobby? Oh, kids, don't you love Dobby? I mean, Dobby's so great. I love that guy, right? I mean, Dobby was a slave to a wicked master, mistreated, abused, but Harry Potter sets him free. And what does, what does Dobby do? I mean, he's just like, he bursts with joy. Like, he's got a, a new sense of purpose and, and hope and love. He just overflows, and he spends the rest of his life serving Harry Potter and the others, not because he has to. He's not a slave, but because he cannot imagine doing anything else. Because he, he loves Harry, he trusts him, he knows that there's, there's joy when he does. And he's free to love. And friends, you and I, we both know, it doesn't matter who you are, right? We know that there is so much joy when we give ourselves away. We applaud the people who do. It's who we want to be. And so are you, are you a Dobby or are you a Winky? It's a question I never thought I'd ask in a sermon. Um, let me ask it another way. For those of you who hate me right now. Are you a slave to yourself? Your own desires? Your endless quest for freedom? That next thing, it's going to do it, right? It's, finally, you'll have it. Are you a slave to your own selfishness? Or are you a servant of Christ, the one who came, who longs to set you free, and a servant of of others, the people that he's put in your life to be able to love and care for and be loved by? Which is it going to be? Because you know, if you think about it, there really was no human, is no human, freer than Jesus. He's God, after all, and who's freer than God? And yet he came here to serve us. He died on a cross. He spent his freedom offering us freedom from our slavery. So how will you spend your freedom? Let's pray. Father, do this work in us. God, I pray that you would show me again the inadequate ways in which I try to be free on my own. And God, for those who are here who remain unconvinced, I totally understand. God, I I get that. Lord, I pray, though, that you would do your work through your spirit in them. I pray that they would grow dissatisfied with the things that they're living for, that I would grow dissatisfied with the things that woo me away from you, and that, God, instead, would you call us to yourself through Jesus. We don't want to be slaves anymore. And so set us free.
there is such, a, um, such an irony, as Nathan shared, about the freedom that is afforded us in the gospel. That, that when the burden of being good enough on our own is placed upon us, or when the desires to be satisfied enough are what dictate our lives, we find ourselves never getting to that point. And yet when we find ourselves in, in the right way enslaved to Christ, we find a freedom that we could not find on our own. And it is a freedom that does not compel us to say, great, I'm free, I can do whatever I want, I can live however I want. It is a freedom that compels us to say, I will go with you, I will be with you, I will follow you, I will love you forever and ever. This is the freedom that compels us to be a people who don't say, I am free to do whatever I want, but I am now free to love. I am free to love my Messiah and free to love my neighbors. And I, my prayer is that this freedom would captivate all of our hearts that as we leave this place, we would be free to love our neighbors, to love our friends, our community, both the people that we are in proximate neighbors with, but even our neighbors across the city and across the world. May that be true of us. We'll hear these words from the Apostle Paul that we heard this morning as our benediction, as our good word for the road as we leave this place. Brothers and sisters, you were called to freedom, but only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Go in light of this truth. Have a great week. Amen.